0: NFT Universe and community seems to move so quickly. I don't know that it's giving artists enough time to actually sit with the work, think about it, develop it, right? I mean, it's almost like they've finished one project and they're already on to the next. you know it's taken me, um, typically in, an, in an, a single exhibition, um, I might a, a physical exhibition, I might show 10 to 15 pieces, and that exhibition might take me a year to produce. Well, it's taken me a year to produce 10 of these, you know, NFT works. And in some ways, I've thought about it in a similar way to the way that I produce uh, art in the physical world. And artists need
1: time to also, you know, make mistakes.
2: Welcome to the NFT Now podcast.
1: Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia.
2: And I'm Matt Medved, and we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture.
1: Welcome to the show. Matt, Ale, what's good? Doing great.
3: Doing amazing, bro. Thanks for having us. Who do we have on today, bro?
1: We have Daniel Arsham. Daniel Arsham is an incredibly accomplished contemporary artist his creativity has never had limits or been bound to one medium. He's, he's helped design and do the architecture um, and installations in kit stores around the world, which is one of the kind of leading fashion boutiques and then footwear boutiques. He's done iconic sculptures. The creative director of the Cavs recently designed Gunna, the chart-topping rapper's album cover, right? So I think he's always been operating at the intersection of culture and art and pushing it forward, so it's to no surprise that he's been uh, doing amazing things with NFTs. I think in today's conversation, we do a deep dive around some of his projects and upcoming project that'll actually be going live on April 30th. But I think it was really fascinating just getting his perspective as this very accomplished contemporary artist who's always moved the needle, getting his perspective on how NFTs are changing the art world, how they are providing a new creative canvas for artists and what inspires him the most. So what stood out to you guys? Start with Matt.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I think you, you kind of nailed it. Like. You know, there was a lot of excitement in the NFT space when Daniel Arsham entered because, um, you know, someone of his caliber, someone of his stature. And I think he also did justice to the medium, you know, his whole eroding and reforming sculptures. Like that—that that is a that is a great example of something that just would not have been possible to do uh, and to release in this way and have a collector base for prior to NFTs. So I think he gets it. And I think he like... He, he understands that this is an additive thing. And uh, and it was really cool to hear him kind of detail how he's embraced the medium and and his thoughts about the metaverse as well. How about you, Ali?
3: Man, I was like, uh, I'm a huge fan of Diane Arsh. Actually, my first traditional art piece was one of his sculptures that I actually picked up after I saved enough money uh, working in the restaurant industry. So um, when I, similar to you, Matt, like when I saw when I heard that he was coming on to NFTs, that just it was like a no brainer for me. Lindsay and I lined up and we we picked up one of his pieces. But like what I'm I'm really like what really excited me is like his completely different and quite refreshing approach to NFTs. Right. Like he's an artist that's not necessarily playing what the field is doing. He's playing his own game. Right. He's he's more intentional spending time with his art. Like his drops are not necessarily one after the other. He's actually being incredibly intentional around it and also finalizing things right? Like something that was really intense for me was like, Hey, this is 10 and done, right? Not like, Hey, 10 and maybe later, right? Like actually closing a chapter on something is very powerful in an, in an age that um, just welcomes iterations. Right. And that, that that's something that's really refreshing. And, personally man i just love his fashion dude like i just love his swag all all together like just the way he dresses all his shoes behind his uh his interview was really dope and um you know being florida native i always got to support the people who come from florida so that's really all about it it.
1: i love it i love it well we have tons of fun stuff to dive into in today's conversation with daniel if you haven't already do encourage you to check out the the last part of this set of eroding and reforming sculptures Um, You can do that by looking up his socials, Daniel Arsham. Also want to encourage you, if you haven't already, we actually a couple months ago had the the opportunity to go and do a studio tour um, of Daniel Arsham's studio in New York City. Um, You can check that out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NFT now for the behind the drop episode we did with Daniel. But without any further ado, let's jump into this week's episode, Mr. Daniel Arsham. Daniel, what's happening, man? Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you guys so much. Uh, So happy to be
1: here with you. So you've been innovating within art for a while. So for starters, very curious, what kind of sent you down the NFT rabbit hole? How'd you enter the space? What intrigued you early on? Yeah, you know, during um, pandemic, it was a time for me to
0: revisit a lot of uh, previous ideas in my own work. Just before COVID, I actually had a long um, discussion with the Winklevoss brothers about Nifty Gateway. And this was kind of before I would say the vast majority of people in my circle knew anything about NFTs, really. It took me a while to really understand the potential in it, um, and specifically this idea around a programmable artwork, right? The, the sense that through the smart contract, you could create something that could alter itself over time. Um, and I really started to see these avenues that were creating potential for artworks that I wasn't able to create before this new technology. Um, And so that was really the the sort of um, the drive, right, for me to create the first uh, NFT, which I released about a year ago now, um, which completely leverages uh, the smart contract to create an artwork that actually erodes and reforms over the course of a year.
3: That's really awesome. Let's dive a little bit into that aspect because like when you dropped that, I think that that was a, almost like one of the first artists to actually incorporate a technology of this sort. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the eroding and reforming sculptures NFT series?
0: Yeah, so I've created physical works for the last decade or so that sort of reimagine uh, objects, some from our present and some from our historical past, as if they have been reformed in crystal, uh, let's say 10,000 years from now. And obviously when I make these works, I, I want them to look as if they're in a state of decay or erosion, but I don't want them to continue doing that. Right. They they're in a sort of frozen state. And so the potential for using the smart contract to basically allow the work to change over time was something that felt so new. And I don't know, like an advancement, right. Of ideas that I had already had. So effectively I created a work that is a sculpture. It exists within a space. That has views out onto a garden and we catch a couple different views of it and each time that you go back to this work depending on the time of the year the work will have changed right pieces of it may have further eroded Um, in one case during the height of winter it actually falls off uh, collapses onto the floor and the seasonality is also changing outside so when i released the work it was spring the birds were chirping outside there was flowers and, you know, if you look at it now, it's uh, it's winter and it's snowing inside of this uh, this universe. Um, the work will be sort of reborn, right, in April. Well, uh, later this month when spring really comes into the fold and uh, it will continue on this cycle of erosion and, and reformation forever.
3: That's a, that's a fantastic way to explain it. And I, and I love that attention to detail incorporating marrying kind of IRL and url on that front so it's really awesome it's one of my favorites and i have full disclosure i am an owner of one of them so uh, i'm a huge i just want to make sure everybody knows on that front yes but you know this is a digital sculpture to close you're you're about to drop the digital sculpture that's going to close out the 10 nfts your unknowns back with the drop on nifty gateway how does it feel to two questions how does it feel to come full circle on this project and how do you plan to reward your top collectors who are able to collect the all 10
0: yeah i mean you know i when i started i began with that first one in mind and it it took me i mean six eight months just to build that first one and i think many people when they think about oh what what is an nft or what is the artwork component behind that in many ways for me the development of these works is as or more complex than creating a a work physically right creating an, an exhibition And so the second um, batch that I created was all based on these eroding and and reforming cars. that are kind of moving through these landscapes. Uh, They change their uh, states of erosion based on the length of these races. And the final four that I'm working on sort of combine different aspects of my work, different interests, right? So I I am releasing four unique uh, editions. um, each of them is a car that is traversing a, a different landscape. Uh, we have a 68 Mustang that's driving through a city. It's, it's raining in the city and there are massive sculptures that are placed within the context of the city. Um, so it's it's sort of leveraging a potential scale that I've never worked in, right? I'm, I have sculptures in these NFT editions that are 100 feet tall, right, which may be impossible to make uh, in the the physical world. And uh, I've got an E30 that's driving on the surface of the moon, a DeLorean on Mars, and a a 61 um, GT California that's driving through uh, a jungle landscape. And in each of them, there's a combination of an eroding vehicle and these larger scale sculptures, Um, all unique, Uh, none of the sculptures are repeated. Um, And just dialing in the way that the cars move and the feeling of the erosion and the landscapes. Um, I know I sent you guys like a teaser of all four of them together just to get a sense of that, but definitely the most complex, certainly NFT that I've ever created, but potentially the most complex work, right, that I've created. And I think when so many people uh, who come to me to discuss NFTs, they're interested in the uh utility aspect of it like what can this actually do and i know matt you have this great quote that's you know if you're not here to bring value then basically leave right there's no there's no point of it and i see the the biggest thing for me that's so interesting about uh nfts is actually like it's basically like a community builder right you have these collectors you're able to create um benefits for them and I think I can, you know, discuss a couple of things um, that I'm announcing here, one of which is that I've been uh, slowly trying to understand how I could create, uh, basically, I don't want to call it a whitelist, but a, uh, a community of people who have one of my NFTs in their wallet, that I can give them access to events and pre-releases for physical editions, um, books that, you know, I'm coming out with, signed copies of things like that. And the the way to do that is um, through a Discord server that I'm going to be uh, unveiling, hopefully over the next month. I just want to make sure that it's done correctly, um, because we've seen um, some other artists have some difficulties in in forming these things. And uh, so there there will be that aspect where in the future, um, people who own one of the NFTs will have first access to... Physical sculptural editions that I'm releasing, and for collectors who manage to get all ten, right? So the edition numbers have been reducing as I've been releasing the editions, and there will, there will only be fifty potential complete sets of the ten. And I don't think we've sort of looked at the metrics. I don't think that it, there will actually be fifty people because of the way it's distrib- uh, distributed. Um, but for those who who collect all ten of the uh, the NFTs. We're gonna do a a, a, um, uh, a screenshot in a couple months, and whoever has those ten, um, I'm gonna be air dropping an eleventh in there, which is a totally unique work. Whatever the number is that's minted on that day, that's how many there will be, right? Uh, I think it's it will probably settle somewhere around fifteen to twenty people is what we're kind of estimating, um, but that should that should increase, you know. Um, participation, right, in the community around them. And the 11th one, I, I, I'm not going to reveal it yet, but it's a very special scenario. It, it includes all of them in it, right?
2: Love that. Love that. No, and I think it's important, yeah. you know, just like like we touched on the idea, like the distinction between like creating value and then like extracting value, right? Like we want, like you got to come to the space proper in terms of like really wanting to build and 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 create that value and then, sh- you know, th- then sharing it versus like, you know, taking stuff out of the space. So I, I think it's a, it's a great example of that.
0: Exactly. And that kind of thing hasn't really existed for artists before, right? Like if you think about yeah. like companies, companies have used like I guess you could call it like a loyalty program or something like that where people are in, they've participated. This is like a way for me to not only build community, but also allow people who have been there for the ride to access things that are not available to everyone.
2: I think we got we got some great questions on uh, you know community building and, and the NFT space. But before we before we jump into those, kind of d- like dialing in a bit on like your your artistic approach and aesthetic, like you know erosion is like a frequent theme in your work, and and especially within mm-hmm. the context of like technology and like you know things that like kind of like what we almost expect to see from like past relics being applied to like you know to contemporary uh, pieces of technology or even future technology. As and I'm curious just to hear like what's what that what's the deeper meaning there for you, and and how do you set like How do you kind of channel that in your work?
0: So I've always been interested in archaeology and time travel and, I don't know, space. I've tried to integrate some of those interests into my work. And one of the interesting things as an artist to think about something like archaeology, right, where we look at an object from the past, and if we go to a museum, we are told a story about this object, Who were the people that made it? What was their civilization like? How they actually produced this thing and what it meant to the culture in in which it existed. Inherently, there's some fiction in that story, right? Like there's no way to to definitively know how these things were done and and what the the era felt like in that moment. So we accept a lot of these things to be completely true. Um, But I started to think about the idea that I could potentially create a sort of fictional archaeology of the future, right? Like, what are the objects from today, which are going to be a relic in a 1000 years? And what will they look like? And so the the physical transformation of, say, a camera or a basketball from its original materiality into a a material like crystal or volcanic ash, we have the sense that there has been this geological time that has has, uh, transpired in the making of this work right i didn't it's not a camera that's painted to look old right it has a sort of truth quality about it in its physical property and i think that lends a lot to our understanding of the work right as an artist i want my work to be able to speak visually but also in concept and i think that the material of the work in some ways can tell us as much about the idea as what it looks like knowing that it's crystal. And um, the other sort of compelling aspect of that material for me is this idea that when we look at these pieces, they look like they're in a state of decay, right? They look like they're falling apart. But we associate crystal with growth. We, We think about crystallization, right? Snowflakes forming and these things moving over time. And so the works have this potential where they could either be falling apart or sort of growing together to some sort of completion. And in that way, it's like, we're sliding a bar, right, on this on this time scale. We can move backward in time and we can move forward in time, conceptually, right, in our minds. Um, and I tried to bring some of that sense of play with time into the work that I've done um, in the NFT space. Um, in addition to the, you know, I've done a couple of additions, I also made one unique work um, which is owned by a, a collector, um, Pablo Rodriguez Frail. And that piece is a, a sculpture which actually will erode over 72 years, which is the average human lifespan. It will basically be completely collapsed after that. And I think Pablo and I, neither one of us will probably be alive when the termination of this piece happens. But the following day, it will be reborn in 2094. And I. this is like a magical potential to be able to do something like that, that literally didn't exist, you know, 10 years ago before the the advent of this technology. And I think the, we're just scratching the surface of what you can do with that, right? With the idea around um, the smart contract. I mean, I've leveraged the idea of time within it, but there's so many other possibilities that I think um, other artists may employ.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I mean, it's been fascinating to see how that intentionality and um, these deeper meanings have manifested within the NFTs and being able to be very uh, progressive as it pertains, not just copying and pasting an existing uh, version of one of your works into a 3D model, but instead really trying to have it evolve and adapt over time. So I'm curious in that, in that same vein, too, like how do you feel NFTs and the, the technology itself? Uh, the technology itself builds and changes the creative canvas for artists. So I think we've seen a lot of
0: amazing artists that are native to the space who really understand what it can do, how community can be leveraged within it. Um, And then I think some other artists, you know, have sort of taken, as you said, pre-existing works and tried to like port them over to this, um, which for me, I may like to, as artists, I find those to be less interesting and I, you know the other big aspect of it, which in some ways is much more transparent than the art world, right? The physical art world is this idea around value and capital and how how capital is deployed and and how we chart value over time, right? Um, when I think about you know my work from the beginning of my career, you know if you bought a drawing of mine in two, my first exhibition in two thousand four, you would have had like a million percent gain in value to now right and i think there's no way to like look at that and chart that uh online but with nfts you can actually really understand how people are collecting sort of like what else they're collecting right being able to look into people's wallets and see like this is this this collector has all of these things Um, it just presents like a very unique kind of new scenario for understanding um where people's minds are at in terms of collecting
2: Love that, love that. You know, on the on the topic of collecting too, I think like one of the things that's really exciting about NFTs is that they kind of changed the relationship between artists and collectors. You know, previously in the traditional art world, a lot of times there'd be galleries, there'd be other intermediaries in the way, um, and it would be kind of difficult for for collectors and artists to necessarily like build that direct personal bond. And um, you know, I, I know that 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 it's, it's, it's if anything, it's almost the opposite in the NFT space, and uh, and artists and collectors. are are really kind of going hand in hand. In fact, artists are also becoming collectors and the the like too. So there's kind of like a lot of like really interesting interplay there. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like how do NFTs kind of transform that relationship and how is that kind of manifested in in your own experience?
0: I mean, that is absolutely uh, a new sort of universe for artists. You know, my own career, I started uh, exhibiting with a gallery in Paris, Emmanuel Peretzin, who I've been very fortunate. He's Uh, an amazing gallerist. He's supported me from the very beginning. Um, That's not always the case, you know, with certain artists. And I've been fortunate to be able to have that kind of relationship. That's, you know, my work going to the gallery and Emmanuel and his team sort of pushing that out to their network um, of collectors. But I've also for almost a decade now had my own sort of editions uh, company, right, entity that releases editions of my own work which allows me a direct connection um, with, with people who are, you know, collectors of mine. And, you know, we've toyed with the idea in the past of how do we create like, a group of uh, of people who would potentially, we would make sure that they had access to certain works. And there was no real like metric or, or system for doing that. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, we're exploring now, you know, by uh, through a Discord server, being able to actually link that with people's wallets. I'm also looking at other ways of creating um, in the future potential links between an NFT and a physical work, where the NFT would actually serve as like a certificate in a way uh, for authenticity of the physical work in you know in, in the physical world. Um, but that would still allow those owners to participate in any uh, community driven initiatives that where they would need um, access right through the, through the ownership of the NFT. Um, I think for a lot of younger artists, this new idea of connecting directly with uh, collectors and, and clients um, can be amazing. I do think there's, there's a bit of a danger in it as well, because things seem to move so quickly in this universe. And, you know, I, We've seen this said before, but I do think that there are a lot of projects out there that will not hold value over time. I mean, maybe in a year or two years, but I always look at my work as um, I want it to retain, you know um, importance and value, you know, over a hundred years or you know past my own lifetime. And I don't yet know or completely understand how some of these, projects may uh, hold that value over time, you know, there are certain ones that have gained, you know, when they're relevant within culture outside of that, and they're being pushed to larger communities, um, they have utility outside of that, which could be a really interesting potential in the future. I mean, we saw what happened with um, just the ownership of the IP around CryptoPunks, I thought was such an amazing uh, kind of like, surprise that it that it actually happened in that way. Um, but an amazing gift uh, that they were able to give to to owners of them Um, because those things are going to represent, you know, um, entities in this new digital frontier. And to not own that IP is a bit strange. Uh, So we'll we'll see where all that goes.
3: Yeah, it's a very interesting topic that you bring up. And so from your perspective, like what are some of the metrics or some of the telltale signs that a project will succeed, right? Like you mentioned CryptoPunks with IP, things of that nature. But going into it, what are some things that you look for or that you'd like to incorporate into your own projects or externally? What do you look for in other projects?
0: So I tend to be quite conservative in terms of what I'm looking at. And I'm mostly looking at things that I know that are that are a tried and true I don't want to say commodity, but I understand the arc of that artist's career. So I think uh, what Takashi has done in digital space, both with CloneX and this new project, which unfortunately he's had trouble getting getting it off the ground because of all of the, the uh, sort of scams around it, which is unfortunately a very difficult thing that's happening now in the space. And I think that there needs to be some community-driven initiatives to basically Kind of attack those people who are doing that because they're sort of ruining the ability for a lot of creators to enter the market in like a real uh, a real way. But that's a whole that's a whole other topic. Um, so I'm looking at you know artists that um, that have had work out in the world for quite a while. I think uh, Damien Hirst project is pretty interesting. Um, even though Pac is an, is native to you know this this digital space, I think that the the conceptual framework around the practice that that Pac has developed feels very familiar to me. When I look back at uh, art historical precedents for that, you know, these minimal artists from the nineteen sixties and seventies um, who were creating um, works that that similarly investigated simplicity. Right, the idea that the pixel is it's just simple but but sort of genius idea, and I could see an artist from that from a previous era. Um, you know, making something similar um and then you know there are certainly projects um like cryptopunks i think uh if if I was between those two PFP projects right probably the the most well known ones um board apes and cryptopunks, I think cryptopunks have first of all they were the first, but they there's something very um i don't know iconic right? That I think looking back at those, literally in 25 years, it's going to be looking at like a warhol. It's immediately recognizable. There's a utility and simplicity to it. Um, The project was the first of its kind. I think those are going to hold value over a a very long period. And I think, frankly, will be quite important um, in the story of of art history when it's written in 20 years uh, of this era.
3: That's a really great take. And speaking of like traditional artists, and bringing the conversation to the IRL world, um, you're the creative director for the Cavaliers. And that that's a very, when it was announced, I was like, whoa, okay, out of left field. That's really, that that's like a really refreshing mm-hmm. take for a team to actually bring forward an like a, a traditional artist to actually lead the creative direction on that front. Um, from that perspective, ha, any future plans to incorporate NFTs into the team?
0: So we've looked at it. I think that, you know, it will happen eventually. I certainly the, the NBA, and I'm sure that every other, you know, sports related franchise and, and uh, team is looking at it. I think it's going to be a lot slower process, um, to, to understand because it's really about creating a roadmap, you know, uh, as we said before, it's like you, all of this, the, uh, this nonsense around like rug pulls and like just p- pulling value out of that. It's not really what we're interested in. Uh, and I, I think it's it's bad for the community in general. So I think uh, for the team, we want to find out, you know, are there interesting things that we can do, for instance, around um, using NFTs as the tickets, right, for, for entering either events or, or games? Can there be, you know, potentially things that are given out to only people that were at certain games? There's all kinds of like participation, um, you know, like an added value that we can give to understand our team, our city, uh, and and the focus around that. It's it's quite new, I think, still, though, for that.
1: And it'll it'll be interesting. And I think in that same vein, too, I mean, you as an artist have always been uh, operating very well at the intersection between kind of culture and art. So, I mean, I think Cavalier is an interesting example, designing this architecture, a lot of the kids' stores around the world. Uh, more recently, the Drip Season 4 going album cover. It's been amazing to see how you're really leaning into um, kind of contemporary culture and injecting your own artistic perspective. So I- I'm curious, how long do you think it'll take for more kind of like pop and contemporary culture to really lean into NFTs in the coming years?
0: I think right now, you know, the idea of Web3 and and, and NFTs in general, it it's first of all, it's so new, right? The technology is only a couple of years old. I think it needs to transition from being this kind of buzzword that companies feel like they should be involved in it because of it's so present to them actually understanding what it is, frankly, and, and what the utility can be around it. Because it's really just another system for transacting in goods, right, and creating unique items. Um, certainly... Uh, Artists and, and entities are familiar with how to create value in, in the physical world. And I think once they go from understanding that NFT doesn't mean money, right? What it means is actually community and, um, and kind of the ability to create unique things and, and finding utility in that is when I, I see it being a much wider uh, sort of application and use potential.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think very much at this kind of early adopter phase where general users are, even just kind of the user experience itself too presents a lot of friction for like the the mainstream user, even though there's a creator, I'm sure, as you're going through the process of minting.
0: Yeah. I, you know, part of it is also the the amount of people that really understand, first of all, understand NFTs, but even understand uh, crypto in general is infinitely small. And that needs to become, you know, I think once, uh, at some point, governments will be, you know, issuing their own cryptocurrencies. Once this becomes like a very regularized thing that feels like very everyday, I think the idea of ownership of these other digital assets beyond, you know, right now, I think um, the use cases for NFTs have been largely in let's say let's call it something visual, right, something that exists as an as a as a video or an image. Um, or some sort of physical thing, but but exists visually primarily. Once that starts to enter the music, uh, we've seen a couple of smaller things with that. But, you know, I am, am involved um, in a company called uh, Chip, CXIP. And um, I brought Pharrell in to, to uh, sit on the board of that company. And like his thoughts around like the potential for NFTs to upset the music industry, just like listening to him speak about that, it's... Crazy what it can actually do to create value, not for the companies, but for the artists themselves. And we're just starting to scratch the surface of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, very exciting to see how that plays out. And also, too, on the the, the Gunner artwork side, curious how that came together. I know one thing that's been interesting in the NFT landscape too is how um in music specifically, how a lot of People that historically were very much just kind of commissioned and really like sat behind a veil when it came to commissioning album artwork or commissioning stage visuals. I think this was an interesting example of like musicians, a notable high profile musician, really treating the art surrounding their music as a a true collaboration. So I'm curious how that came together and what advice you have for other artists that are looking to kind of lean into contemporary collaborations with people in other artistic realms. Yeah. So, you
0: know, I've worked uh, with other friends in music before with Pharrell, with The Weeknd, um, and, you know, Gunna reached out, I guess it was about six months ago, uh, and sort of just said, like, hey, I'm looking for uh, um, some interesting ideas around the album that I'm coming out with. Um It was sort of unclear about when it was going to be and, like, which exact tracks were going to be on it. So um I he was certainly familiar with my work and we discussed a number of different options. What I was looking for. And I think what, what is most important now when thinking about an an album cover for an artist like him is that it is literally something that when it's this small and you're looking at it, you know, in Spotify or that it's immediately recognizable and, and iconic. Um, And I think, you know, the image that we created with the glasses, like, I mean, the amount of different, potential covers that i went through with him was like crazy and we just stare at them and think like is this going to be the one and um sometimes you just have a sense about it you know looking at it for long enough that this is going to be something really special and um yeah i mean it's amazing to to do that you know i've done a couple of other album covers but this is the first like number one album um so yeah it's been it's been amazing
2: that's awesome. That's awesome. Obviously a big, you know, big cultural moment uh, there with, with that album and, and its impact and really great to see that. Um, you know, one thing that many people may not be aware is the fact that, that you're actually colorblind. And I'm curious to hear a little bit about how that has influenced your art.
0: So, you know, when you're a kid, you go to the eye doctor, <laughs> you do the, the colorblindness test. So that was kind of a realization, you know, I guess around five or six. I didn't really think about it again until I was in college. And there's a, a course that you take, uh, most students who study at um, a college, at least in the US, in the first year, you'll take a, a color theory course. And you know the professor asked, is there anyone colorblind? And I sort of was like, yeah, I guess. And he was like, well, you basically get a pass for this class because you're not gonna be able to see half of the things that we're actually doing. And th- the idea around color theory is really that when you view color by itself, it can be influenced by having another color next to it, right? The way that your eye processes color is dependent on the context around it. And so I'm not able to see a large portion of that. It doesn't mean that I don't see color at all. It's just that in certain spectrums, I see a vastly reduced variation in color. And I think that one of the potential benefits for that is I've tried in my work to work with colors that I know that I see well, so, or, the, or that I see uh, similarly to to other people, right? So, white has been a very prominent color um, in my palette. I've often worked with the surface of the gallery walls, kind of manipulating them, um, causing them to to erode, to um, stretch like a sheet. Um, and this reduction in palette, I think, has sort of made the work very identifiable in a in a certain respect. Um, you know it's like a I wouldn't say it's a necessarily a handicap it's it's like a it's a difference right and it's led to um this potential where I have a some choices that are made for me right sometimes having less options is a an easier route yeah
3: man I think the 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 reduction of options that opens up the what is it what does Einstein say like genius is like it's actually simplicity or something yeah yeah like yeah it's uh genius is working with constraints at work. Yeah, that's what it is. Um but mm. on that point, like what would you have done differently had NFTs been around during your come up?
0: Oof. I don't know. It's it's hard to know. I think that as I talked before, a little bit of the danger that I see is because the uh NFT universe and community seems to move so quickly, I don't know that it's giving artists enough time to actually sit with the work, think about it develop it right i mean it's almost like they've finished one project and they're already on to the next you know it's taken me um typically in an, in an, a single exhibition um i might a, a physical exhibition i might show 10 to 15 pieces and that exhibition might take me a year to produce well it's taken me a year to produce 10 of these you know nft works and in some ways i've thought about it in a similar way to the way that i produce uh, art in the physical world and artists need time to also, you know, make mistakes. We, uh, in the production of the NFTs, there was a couple that just didn't work. I couldn't get the landscape to work properly. The, the visuals didn't feel like they settled or they were real and I had to abandon them. And I don't know that many artists in the space are giving them the self, giving themselves t- time to do that. Um, so I hope, you know, as, as things progress, things will settle, the dust will settle, um, you know, artists who I think have given the proper amount of time and attention both to their work and their community will uh, will, will still be around.
1: And I think you've alluded to a couple different things throughout the course of this conversation, but I'm curious, what really inspires you most about the, the potential of NFTs now that can impact creators and their communities? For me, the largest
0: interest, as I said, is around this idea of leveraging smart contract to uh, affect things over time. And you know i've toyed with some some other ideas about things that actually potentially also change based on influences right we've seen all of these projects where um the ownership of, of one type of medium when combined things can change um so i haven't quite determined you know where i'll go after this but i have started to think about both community and the ability for people to actually influence the visual of the work, right? Typically, when I create a work in the physical world, once the piece is done, that, like that's it. it it's not going to change over time. Um, this could, this technology could create potential for these works to be infinitely malleable. They could change in material. They could change in scale. Uh, so all of those things, I think, are just amazing as an artist. You know, for me, it's. In every medium that I work, there needs to be like a reason for going into that. If I'm working in painting, you know I, I wanted to do a certain thing versus sculpture. And it's the same in uh, this NFT space. It needs to be there for uh, a reason. And um, I think between the idea of community and the, the the potential within smart contracts, both of those things are highly engaging for me.
2: Yeah, makes total sense. And you know, like just looking at like your three D work that you've done, you know, as as NFTs, like it's all like very lush, very detailed, very like oriented. And I I remember looking into like watching the the clip that you mentioned, and immediately feeling like this could be taken straight from like a virtual world, you know. And so I I am curious to hear your thoughts about how are you thinking about the metaverse with regard to your own artistry.
0: The same slow pace that I (laughs) that I feel like I entered the NFT space. I think I'm really trying to understand you know, where I might impact things in metaverse um, or, you know, which metaverse, where, where would I place things? I don't think we quite know, right. Really what that's going to be. There needs to be sw- sort of one unified space, right. Planet universe that we, that we all might be able to play in, um, in order for these things to, I think, to have like permanence and utility and hold value. And I don't quite know for me that it that it's there yet. Um, one of the things that I am super interested in Pablo, you know, who, who's a collector of mine and a friend, just the idea about architecture in the metaverse, that it doesn't need to obey things that are present in the physical world, I think is like so amazing. Like he has all these museums that, you know, he's built and some of them, there's like trees growing upside down. And it's just the, the ability to do something like that. Um, that could be something that I think would draw me into, um, you know, into creating something in, in metaverse, uh, space.
3: That's really exciting. architecture. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really exciting, especially with the looks and everything. Like I, I love like suspending belief and gravity and engineering and all that stuff out the window. You can just like, exactly create that super excited about that. Speaking about like things that are catching your eye in that perspective, who are some of rising artists in the space that have caught your eye or who you're keeping track of?
0: Yeah, I mean, in, um, you know, in digital space, as I mentioned before, Pac, which I think is also this interesting idea around anonymity, right? Um, nobody knows who Pac is. Is it he or she or them or a group or we, we don't, we're not really sure. Um, I think that creates the potential of intrigue, you know, and uh, as an artist, we we are often tasked with... Um, kind of sharing a lot of ourselves right out in the world it's it's very um at least as a young artist can be very uncomfortable in the beginning to reveal these parts of that of things that feel very personal in a way and i think the idea of anonymity is pretty um pretty interesting within the space um certainly i've been looking at um you know what uh few did um last couple days um and the and the works um prior to that uh, Friends with You is a, I think some um, incredible artists. I happen to know them personally and have known them for for years. And I think it's been great to see the way that they've integrated in a very sort of seamless way um, th- this digital environment into their own works. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes.
1: Well, uh, I guess as, as we start shifting towards the close, I know it kind of. Um... We've been speaking throughout this conversation about different inspiring use cases, our outlook on adoption over time. I'm sure as you've been more vocal and starting to release your own NFTs, um, there have been some people that have come out of the woodworks that just think NFTs are an outright scam or um, even as you're in, uh, engaging with some of these bigger brands and evaluating and looking into potential NFT activations. like What, what do you have to say to people that do think NFTs are a scam?
0: unfortunately. To a large degree, in some cases, I do think that that's a problem. It has been a problem, and I think that the community itself needs to regulate it more and needs to really be on people who they believe may be doing these things because it's kind of ruining it for a lot of (laughs) the rest of us who are very much engaged in that. Surprisingly, with my own work, I never really had that criticism, and I think part of it is the just the amount of like effort that went into the creation of that, I think people can immediately understand like, oh, this is something that really couldn't exist before. The trans, like every time that the piece has changed states, right, you know, the the first one, it's like kind of a, it's a very magical experience to to have something that you own and to come back to it, you know, the following day. And like the leaves have changed color like in this digital (laughs) environment. Um, so that's one reason why I think we haven't really seen, uh, that criticism on my work. Um, but also frankly, like the value retention in them, I mean, they had, all of them are well above, you know, their, their original price and the volume in trading has been very heavy. So I think, you know, people can say, oh, maybe this is a new medium, but if you look historically at the value In my work, as I said before, if you bought something 15 years ago, you would have had like a million percent increase in in value in it. So, value, I think, it's important only in in maintaining. People want to feel that the things that they're investing in are going to be important and valuable in the future. And so, I think as artists, we we also need to contribute uh, as much as we can to the works and and their their future value as possible.
2: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, Well, look, as we, as we bring things to a close, you know, and I know that we mentioned earlier about some of these upcoming projects you have, um, what, what do you, what do you have coming up that you can speak to uh, uh, currently? I know there's probably some stuff in the works you can't yet.
0: Yeah. So the next release, which will complete the 10 um, is happening on April 30th, uh, Nifty gateway. So this will be the final four in the 10 Um, collectors who manage to, uh, have all 10 of those in their wallets at a future date which will likely be sometime in the summer um, i'm going to be airdropping an 11th into into their wallets um the 11th one is a pretty special basically as soon as i've completed it we'll we'll be able to release it um it's probably the most difficult thing that i've ever tried to make and uh you know as i said before I haven't determined anything specifically, but I am starting to think about, you know, architecture in the metaverse and um, play around with potential within that. You know, what would something, what would a, a a space that I design look like in the metaverse and how could that aid in the experience either of NFTs that I've created or frankly, like physical work that has been ported into um, into the metaverse? Um, And then, of course, you know, I have uh, some large scale uh, IRL exhibitions coming up, um, probably the largest of which uh, is at uh, Yorkshire Sculpture Park in in the UK in the fall. Also have an exhibition at um, a museum in Marseille in the south of France uh, opening this summer. Uh, The museum is called Mamo, and it's on the roof of a very famous uh, Corbusier building. Um, which is a kind of mid-century, really incredible mid-century building. So super excited about that. And, uh, you know, a couple more games in the season. Hopefully the Cavs will make the playoffs. It's very close. We'll we'll see.
1: Let's get it, man. Well, uh, super grateful to have had you on the show today. Keep up all the incredible work, man. We'll uh, catch you in the metaverse.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys.
1: All right. Cheers man that was an incredible episode love what he's doing as a car fan myself too i know ale and i are both big f1 fans it's fun to, to see how he's uh really inter uh how he's involving and iterating upon his own favorite pastime of cars he has quite the the crazy irl collection so to see how he's bringing them to life with his own spin in this virtual context is really really fascinating what we'll stood out to you guys in this conversation
2: Yeah. I mean, look, like, you know, he's just a force. He's a force in the the world of culture and uh, seeing that crossover into uh, the NFT space and getting his perspective uh, on on where we're at, you know, in terms of bringing new people in, you know, the adoption side, uh, the way that this empowers artists, also the pitfalls of how fast the space moves. I was really glad he spoke to that. Um, you know, that, you know, this. This oh, I always say this space moves so fast, weeks or months, months or years. Sometimes that's not enough time to sit with your art. There's a lot of pressure on artists to release. And there's a lot of pressure on artists from all these different sides. And I actually thought he spoke really well to that. That's an area that, that's an area that, uh, that, that, uh, artists, you know, uh, in the traditional world haven't had to deal with in the same way. So uh, refreshing
3: perspective there. Great chatting with him and excited to see what he continues to do. How about you, LA? Matt, you bring an excellent point. I think like that addresses something that I think is very prevalent, but very few people are not talking about. But NFT fatigue can be very real, right? From an, from an artist's perspective, from a collector perspective, right? Like if I'm seeing, as, from a collector perspective, if I'm seeing an artist consistently drop art, that's not really a healthy situation, you know, like that, like, I love that refreshing take. Uh, for me, what really stood out for me was this conversation around bringing community regulation around scams, right? Like really making sure that that was really touched upon because it's such an important role, right? We are an incredibly self-regulated marketplace. There's been a lot of rugs that have been happening to the community and we need more to better tools that are going to be, around for us to really protect and not only the, the purist in the space but the tourist right like there's so many people who are entering the space through some of these quote unquote NFT drops that end up getting rugged and immediately that changes their whole perspective of the NFT space if that's your entry point so I love that and then just really like the final point of how he is really just rewarding his collectors really stood out for me um, and I'm just really interested and very intrigued to figure out how that's gonna um, really evolve because he's always so intentional, right? And he's not just talking about the the run-of-the-mill. Uh, hey, here's an airdrop or here's this, here's an event. So I'm excited to see everything that he may do. Because imagine like if you get a private tour of his next showcase with him, you know, like FaceTime with the artist. That's that's just really really awesome and. Um, his stature is going to create a lot of a lot a lot of trend setting, so I'm excited for that.
1: One thousand percent. I think it's uh, people like Daniel Arsham have a have a big domino effect into mainstream culture. Um, I think it's very exciting to see him continue to prosper in this world. So thank you all for tuning in. Another week, another podcast in the books. We'll be back next week. Until then, we out.